Hey, baby family and friends, welcome back to Weekend Wednesdays, the podcast that brings the weekend worship into your midweek. My name is Minsu Kang, and I'm your host for this week's episode. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to summarize an email that we received from someone part of our Bayview Glen family. The email recounted all the trials that she and her family are currently facing the busyness of raising a toddler, the emotional demands of caring for another believer in crisis, news of a family illness, and the shutting down of a ministry that they were heavily involved with. As I read this email, I could feel the difficult emotions that were behind each word. I can't begin to imagine what this family is going through. Yet, she proudly says in her email, there's a lot of trials happening in my life right now, but God's fingerprints are all over it. I love that. I love that even in the middle of this storm, she knows that God is with her. She knows there's still hope. And there's no doubt in my mind that God is working behind the scenes here. I'm so excited to hear how God will use all these events for his glory. Thank you for sharing your story with us and being so vulnerable. Let's continue on to Esther chapter 4 and see the fingerprints of God in the life of Esther. We begin this chapter with Mordecai's reaction to the decree that was passed, the decree for the elimination of the Jewish people. He tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and cries loudly and bitterly throughout the city. These were all outward expressions of what was happening internally, and this event called for such an intense expression. He and his people are about to be wiped out. The Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire as well, upon receiving the news of their annihilation, entered a time of deep lament and mourning. And during this time in Persia, once a law was passed, there was no way of undoing it. This was going to happen. Esther's attendants observed Mordecai in this chaotic state and reported it to her, who seemed to have not known the passing of this decree. She's informed that Mordecai is in sackcloth, which symbolized an inner anguish and pain. This material was like burlap, uncomfortable and painful. This was like wearing the itchiest sweater around. Not knowing the reason for this sadness, Esther sends her attendants to Mordecai with a new set of clothes. Maybe this will cheer him up. But Mordecai refuses. New clothes won't change the sackcloth-like condition of what is about to happen. What a bandage solution to a gashing wound. This causes Esther to send her attendant, Haytak, to find out the reasons for Mordecai's sadness. Mordecai informs Haytak, who's about to get a lot of his steps in, the reasons for his anguish. He also provides him with a copy of the decree to show Esther, while also begging her to plead to the king for the lives of her people. Did Mordecai just out Esther's Jewish status to Hatak? This must have shocked him because remember, Esther's Jewish identity has been kept a secret up until this point. But nonetheless, Hatak takes Mordecai's response to Esther and his words don't sit well with her. Esther knows that Xerxes doesn't let anyone come before him unless they are summoned. Unless he points his golden scepter to that person, 
No one is allowed to come before him, or else they will be put to death. And so, in essence, she says to Mordecai, I cannot do what you have asked, because if I did, I would die. Upon receiving Esther's response from Hatak, Mordecai begins to challenge his cousin with three statements. First, he tells her that she shouldn't think that just because she's in the king's palace, that she will escape the enactment of this decree. It will come to her and her family eventually. Next, Mordecai states that if Esther refuses to do anything, if she decides to keep silent, he believes that God will send help elsewhere. Mordecai believes in the promise of the scriptures that God will still be faithful to his people, no matter what. What faith. Finally, and here is the famous verse of the book of Esther, Mordecai asks her, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? What if God put Esther in this position for this very purpose? What if God's fingerprints brought her to this place to rescue the Jewish people? What if this was all strategic on God's part for such a time as this? Do you see all that has happened, Esther? I wonder how long Esther sat with Mordecai's words and chewed on them before sending Hatek back with her response, because her response conveyed a different heart and tone. Rather than letting fear cause her to step backwards, Esther took a step forwards. She decides to plead on behalf of the Jewish people, but Esther knows that she needs the aid of God. She requests for all the Jewish people in Susa to fast for her. She and her attendants will join in that fast with the purpose of seeking God's intervention, for God to cause the unthinkable to happen. The king's heart had to be moved, and no human could make that happen. But even if things didn't go the way she hoped, Esther states, If I perish, I perish. Esther knew all her life events had culminated to this very moment. She needed to rise up for this exact moment in history. She will be obedient no matter what the costs. With these words, Mordecai begins to carry out Esther's requests, and we are left on a cliffhanger. In reading this chapter of Esther, I was impacted by the ways that Esther struggled with her calling. She started off by allowing fear to control her stating to Mordecai that she cannot plead for her people because that would result in her death. In that moment, it made more sense for her to protect herself than to intercede for others. Yet through the words and challenge of Mordecai, God began to work on her heart. Esther had a complete change of perspective. She was given wisdom to see that God has been with her this entire time. Here was an orphan girl who was among those exiled from the promised land, in a state of obedience, raised by her cousin, and taken away by King Xerxes' attendants to see whether or not she would impress him. By the hand of God, Esther was shown favor and privilege by all those around her during her time in the harem. God also caused her to be seen with favor and attraction by the king, which caused him to choose her as queen above the entire lot of virgins. Out of many, she was selected. 
And now she was in the exact place where she could intercede for the saving of her people. She could have ignored everything, stayed comfortable, and lived an out-of-sight, out-of-mind existence. But through the hand of God, Esther's heart was moved to see things differently. She knew that God's fingerprints were all over her life, and she was exactly where she was, strategically positioned to intercede. And whatever the results, Esther was willing to be obedient. For such a time as this, what a powerful statement. Esther didn't shy away from an opportunity to see God move in power, even though she was given an out. I believe Mordecai when he said help would come elsewhere if Esther decided to stay silent. But because she stepped forward, God was enabled to enact his will through Esther. I can relate to this. When I look back to my life in Vancouver, I can see how God used my friendships to challenge me to step forward into obedience. In addition to facing my own brokenness in Vancouver, God also used this season to help me face a particular idol in my life, one that caused me to live one foot in the world and one foot with God. Mind you, I've had many opportunities to face this idol in Toronto, but like I said before, distractions allowed me to stay in denial. But God would continue to provide opportunities to tackle it. Because of this, there were many points in my journey of faith where I felt like I was doing donuts. I would often ask, didn't I tackle this already? This seems too familiar, and why am I back here? Vancouver was the setting where I couldn't distract myself any longer. Sure, similar to Esther, I could have just denied addressing it. The process was too much. I'm good where I'm at. It would have been easy to just stop. But with perspective and wisdom, there was no denying that facing this giant was for this season. Come on, the signs were all there. I went to a random Christian event and heard a teaching from a great organization in 2015, was offered a position to work with them in 2016, moved my entire life to Vancouver, was stripped of all my comforts, and so on. I can even go further back than that. God was after me. In the heat of dealing with this idol, I had a key conversation with Jordan my friend that I mentioned in episode two. He said two very key sentences, two very key challenges to me. First, Jordan knew that I was facing something big and that I needed healing. Rather than trying to point me to formulas or even to himself, he reminded me that no one was going to provide that healing except God. Jordan also said that he believed the idol in my life was not going to give me what I hoped it would give me. Man, those words broke my heart. It wrecked me. It broke me because Jordan was right. Even though I wanted my idol to bring me fulfillment and joy, and I even fantasized that it would, it could not give me what only God could. There was also the sadness that Jordan could not be the one to heal me, I had to give God that chance and opportunity to be God. This moment was my Esther moment for such a time as this. And so I began to pray and seek God deeply. If he was the only one that could heal me, 
I had to seek the supernatural intervention of God. And do you know what? In his timing, God intervened. He broke through and healed my heart. Jesus convinced my heart of something deep. I know that I know now, and it's not just in my head, but deeply in my heart that nothing can satisfy me outside of God. And I used to say these words because it was a nice thing to say, but I really didn't believe it. I didn't really truly believe it. Now, I do. This supernatural movement of God has allowed me to put both feet into Him, all in. Sure, I do still experience temptation, but Jesus has done a work. I know that I cannot find a solution outside of Him. This heart, this new heart, was what I left my season of Vancouver with. Even though the work was entirely from the hand of God, I'm glad that Jordan, in his loving and gracious way, challenged and called me forward. I'm a firm, firm believer that the way God has moved in my life is open to everyone. I'm not special. I believe that God has been working in your life, that his fingerprints are all over your experiences, no matter how difficult they may be. And all those life experiences have brought you to this point, to this very moment in your life. If being in this space is not a coincidence, but the strategic placement of God, what is the purpose of this season right now? Where have the fingerprints of God led you to? Have you been able to see why God has brought you here? What if you've been positioned in your particular place of work or neighborhood for a purpose? Who does God want you to potentially be the hands and feet of Christ to? How does God want to use your skills and talents to bring about kingdom values? How does God want to use your testimony to dispel lies that others believe about him? What if God has brought you to a place, like myself, to begin seeking his hand of healing and freedom? Rather than doing donuts, what if God is inviting you to seek his intervention over an idol or pain in your life? What if this is the moment to take a step forward rather than a step backwards? And finally, maybe you're not a Christian or have found yourself far away from God. Maybe in the desire to draw close to God, you wound up on this podcast somehow. I'm so glad you're listening, and it's not a chance that you are here. As 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Today is the day of salvation. As humans, we don't have the ability to bring ourselves to God. Like Esther, we need God to be God in our lives. It is only through Jesus that we are brought near to God. I encourage you to surrender to His love and kindness. It is only in God that we find true fulfillment and joy. If you are seeking a church community to journey your walk of faith with, Bayview Glen welcomes you with open arms. For such a time as this, wherever you find yourself, whatever space all your life experiences have brought you to, there is an opportunity for you to see even greater the fingerprints of God in your story. Even though it can be scary, I would hate for you to miss out on seeing God move in power for such a time as this. All right, baby community, that's it for me. Thank you for taking the time in your week to tune in. 
I pray that you are impacted as we engage in worship throughout the week, and I look forward to diving even deeper into what God is doing with you all. See you next week on Weekend Wednesday. Thank you.